are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. shine. These are fun to listen to. Get to know people that you don't know otherwise, or things you don't know about them. Yeah, I, I feel like that's what I've heard the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I know them better. I've had a couple of people say about Michael Broderick's specifically that they felt like they could connect with him yeah. on a much deeper level. And little known fact: I went to real life Christian Academy Wait. in. Eighth grade. What? First year it was open. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's was, crazy. So real life is what turned into Heartland, right? Or is it a different? Uh, it's different. Real life shut down and they wanted to have another Christian school to offer to okay. the area. So yeah. layman kind of started. So what was it called? Real life Christian Academy. RLCA. Oh my gosh. Eighth that's grade. crazy. <laughs> and you met your wife? During, were you out of college? I forget. No, I was in college. She was in high school, which didn't thrill her mom too much. I know. We talked about that. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess I passed the test. You did all right. (laughs) I was probably a sophomore in college. We just, our paths crossed at church and uh, I took note of her. She took note of me. I don't know how much of the story you want, but uh, we used to have like a New Year's Eve thing at church like watch night service right you know and it would go till midnight or beyond and then the youth group would get together after that do things all night long go skating and watch a movie and go to breakfast and so becky and i crossed paths again at the youth event after new year's anyway we had a skate together and uh we went out to breakfast and we sat together that's where it all started at you skate holding hands what's a skate together yeah, yeah, hold hands yeah, when you skate yeah and just it was go like a couple a skate circle? yeah you just skate around oh <laughs> and that was kind of how chris and i did it it wasn't a skate but it was like an all-night youth bowl yeah bowled together and they had breakfast the next morning yeah, like sit at the table Works. with her friend Carol and and her boyfriend talked and got to know each Aww. other. So you, how long you guys have been married for? Thirty five. Don't get this wrong. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I have all the time I want here. So <laughs> we were married in eighty five, and we haven't had our anniversary yet this year. So thirty five years. And you guys have been a part of the upper room for. 32 years? 32, something like that, yeah. What kind of girl are you? I would say adventure. I enjoy spy novels. Jack Reacher? Things like that are good. I also like Clive Cussler, which his style is a little bit very predictable. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) like, really predictable. It's the same story every time, just in a different Yeah, but he comes up with these really interesting scientific themes that are really on the fringe, but he makes them believable and weaves it into a story. And I find that really interesting. People who can do that over and over and over again, it's amazing. I I got a lot of his books that someone gave me 
they take up like a couple of shelves in my library. Yeah, it's crazy. And he does it over and I don't know how people do that. Authors, how they can do Oh, that. yeah. It's like Mary Higgins Clark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? She's like almost 90. She's still writing. And I mean, writing with her daughter, or maybe she's dead, but... I mean, she's got, I don't know. This woman has been writing forever. Yeah. I'm like, I'm out of ideas. I have no thoughts left. How do these people? Of course, a lot of them start writing with co-authors and they collaborate and they get their name idea. on the book, but someone else really wrote it. But that's cool too. They can still, they still come up with good stuff. Yeah. So. Like Mary Higgins Clark is writing with. I haven't Sorry. read them since seventh grade. Oh my God. <laughs> Probably have a lot of books to catch up. Don't read those. Anyways, mm. do you feel okay? I'm uh, rather introverted, so this is a challenge for me. You know, there are some people that I can talk very comfortably with. Mm. Like Zach Jones is one of them. I can sit and talk to Zach all day long. I think you two, I do just fine. But I'm pretty quiet for the mm. most part. Mm. <laughs> I appreciate that you're going out of your comfort zone to do this, though. Well, I couldn't say no. When the rest of my family has done it. <laughs> We've got two more coming up. Yes, I think it's great. I'm so happy to have your whole family. We have to hear from the patriarch. Okay. Caution you ahead of time. I've been a dad for 33 years and I've perfected my craft pretty well. So if I go into dad mode, you might need to elbow me too. <laughs> Dumb dad jokes and stuff. Oh, my God. Oh, what's your best dad joke? Oh, <laughs> uh, don't ask me. Those, they those just, have to they come just up flow. naturally. Oh, yeah. They just flow. They do. You see an opportunity and you take it. It only gets better Does, as the yeah. years go by. <laughs> well, if anything comes up, let us know. <laughs> you can interrupt us if you, what pops in your head. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. Hello. It's Bet. It's Cat. And we that. have the honor of interviewing Mr. David Osborne today. Yeah. Thanks for Thank joining you. us, Thank Dave. Thank you for having me. This is great. <laughs> it is great. I'm very excited. <laughs> We've had several of Dave's family on the podcast already. I think Becky started us Becky off. Becky was. She was early. And mm -hmm. her a while ago. we have a couple more Osbournes coming after him. So you'll get to meet the whole <laughs> so Osborne good. clan eventually. Dave was born in Iowa, raised mostly in Ohio, in Columbiana County area, Winona, mm -hmm. Guilford Lake, Salem. He went to United High School, except for one year, he was at Real Life Christian Academy. He was at Real Life year. Christian Academy the very first year. So he took it. a little jaunt in eighth grade. That's brave in eighth grade to go mm, to a new is. school. <laughs> Back to United for high school, he went to YSU, where he got his degree in electrical engineering and technology. He met his wife, Becky, when he was in college and she was in high school. She tells us that story. Passed the mom test because she was 17 and he was in his 20s. 20? Yeah. Becky and Dave have been married for 35 years. They have five children, almost all adults. Michaela is graduating from high school this year. Go so Michaela! You'll be sort of officially empty nesters mm -hmm. with probably people revolving in and out. Oh, yeah. As they go. but Which is, uh, which is great. It's the best when they come home. Six grandkids, five granddaughters, one grandson who just came for a visit. They got mm -hmm. to meet Ezekiel. 
He said they waited and waited and waited for grandkids. And then in the last five years, they've had six of them. <laughs> so you're going to have a lot of graduations all in a row. Yep, that's oh right. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Dave's an electrical engineer by trade. He loves building, fixing things, working outside in his yard, hiking. He likes to read adventure books. Spends a lot of time with family. He's a sports dad, a mm -hmm. volleyball dad, oh, a basketball yeah. dad, mm -hmm. a what all else? Lots of volleyball. Lots and lots, lots of, of volleyball. volleyball. <laughs> lots of basketball and lots of volleyball. Those were pretty much our he, sports. So he's a sportsman. He has been at the Upper Room for 32 years. That's we're so amazing. happy to have you here today. Yes. Great to be here. Thank you. Didn't twist his arms. He came willingly. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> He'll be like, I changed my mind. Never mind. We're not. Take that off. It was like half a podcast. <laughs> well, tell us, Dave, who or what turned your light on? Well, can I give you a little family history? Yes. Okay. Please. Because that's kind of where it starts. And uh, my parents were both, well, my parents' families were Quaker on both sides from way back, generations back. You know, Salem is Quaker City, USA, pretty much. That's their high school mascot, the yeah. Quakers. Quaker Sam. My family is legit Quakers on both sides mm. from way back. So we were Quakers and we were going to the Quaker meeting. And it was like the conservative branch, which is where you sit quietly and meditate and, and pray. And for, for those of you who don't know, <clears throat> when Dave says Quaker meeting, that was church. That was church. Okay. Yes. Every Sunday. Yep. Well, when you and say they were legit Quakers, help paint a picture for us. Didn't wear the Quaker hat, <laughs> you know, and the collar. and the, Not like the oatmeal know, box? No, not like on the oatmeal box. But theologically mm -hmm. and ideologically, yeah. they were Quakers. So that was my youth growing up was uh, in the Quaker meeting. And it was solid ed uh, Christian education as far as it goes. You know, we memorized Bible verses and, and a lot of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I went to Sunday school, and the Quakers started out back in the day in uh, in England as really Pentecostal. That's know. how they got their name, right? Yes, they were quaking. Yes, under the, the power Quaker of God. Meeting. When the power of God came on them, they would quake, and so that's where the name came from. They were persecuted relentlessly in in England, and and came to the U.S. seeking religious freedom. Well, over the years, like many mainline denominations, they lost the fire and adopted a social gospel. Well, my mom and dad had kind of fallen into that mode of really seeking. They were seeking God. They wanted to find him. They wanted to find meaning, but they were seeking in the wrong places, wrong philosophies and uh, wrong teachings, and kind of led them down a dangerous path. And in the Quaker meeting, that was okay. You know, you're seeking truth, and wherever you find it is kind of okay. There were some problems that came into our family, and mom and dad were looking for answers, and they were not finding them where they were seeking. You know, thankfully, there was a group of, of members in the meeting that had found the Lord, given their hearts to Jesus, and they were on fire. The Holy Spirit baptized, and they kind of brought mom and dad in. And if you remember Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship, mm -hmm. that was going strong at the time. And dad got involved there. And long story short, they gave their hearts to the Lord and completely turned around. I was 11, 10, 11 years old at the time. The younger 
of us kids just followed along and uh, gave our hearts to the Lord. And that started our journey with the Lord. That started my journey with the Lord. So did you see a change in your parents? Oh, yeah. And that made you yeah. interested in what they had found? Or what did that look like when well, you were Well, you know, at 11? that age, perspective is a little bit different than it is as a teenager or as an adult. But definitely there was a shift in the house. There were some rather difficult problems that mom and dad were seeking to resolve. And we knew that. So when the Lord came into the picture, there was a definite shift in the house and in our family. And it was a real experience for, for me, even at that tender age. That was the beginning of what really turned on my light. And, and so did you follow him? How, like, have you been following him ever since? I uh, would have to say yes, but you know, there's ups and downs for all of us, of course, but he's been faithful and he's uh, with us always, even when we're unfaithful. <laughs> and I'm thankful for that. So you have a lot of years of experience with him <laughs> showing his faithfulness to you. Yeah. We carried that that faith. And Becky's told her story here too, of course. And uh, we're just really thankful that God brought the two of us together and uh, and we carried that faith into our family. I mean, how do you feel? How do you feel knowing, did your parents at that point, did they leave kind of that Quaker community? Or did they stay and then you kind of left the Quaker community and like, what? How did you? Mom and dad knew pretty quickly after they gave their hearts to the Lord that there was really not a spiritual life in the Quaker meeting that was healthy for spiritual growth of their family. So just down the road from the Quaker meeting is real life assembly of God, Pentecostal, the Holy Spirit filled and that's where we went. We started going there as a family, and I was there throughout my high school years. It was a complete 180 flip mm-hmm. from Quaker yeah. meeting. <laughs> it's really a 180. So that really bolstered my spiritual growth through those formative years, the mm-hmm. teenage years, you know. And of course, that's where I met Becky. So, so tell us, Dave, what lights you up? Definitely being a father. Now being. Paw. That's, Is that what they that's call what you? My Paw? grandkids call me. <laughs> Riley gave me that name because. Oh, uh, did she? Yeah. When she was just learning to talk, she was learning people's names, and she looked at me one day, and I was calling myself Grandpa to her when I talked to her. You know, hey, Grandpa loves you. You know, and she looked at me and she goes, Paw, <laughs> and it's like, okay, <laughs> heart melted. That's, that's my it. name. <laughs> Becky Ma? No. No? Okay. No, no she's, uh, she's grandma to Riley. She's Grammy to most of her other grandkids. But being dad and being pa, that's what lights me up. And Becky told us at one point you had a college student, a high school student, middle school, elementary, and preschool. Yeah. That's a long stretch of parenting. <laughs> yeah. I forget. We didn't do the math. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, 16 years, I think. 16 year differential. Josh was 16. Yeah. From yeah, but Josh. you really, I mean, you're still, you've been married 35 years. Josh is 32. 33. 33. So yeah. you've been parenting. I mean, you still got a kid at home that you're parenting for 32 years. So we would say you're an expert. <laughs> We'll deem you that yeah. title. 32 years of active parenting. Well, being a parent and watching my kids grow into productive and intelligent adults 
is the most satisfying thing that I do. It's my mission in life. Nothing else that I do can match it or is more important. You look at what's going on in the world and the problems that we face, and the best thing that I can do for this old world mm -hmm. is raise my kids to be intelligent and passionate about finding their destinies and meeting their destinies and doing what God's put them on this earth to do. That's my gift to the world, hmm. is my family. and uh, It's a beautiful gift. They've got five beautiful packages wrapped up that <laughs> the world is blessed to have. So mm -hmm. can you tell us, actively parenting for 33 years, what are some of the things that you wish you would have known then that you know now that you could share with some of our listeners who are in the middle of parenting and that's a loaded question because there are a lot. <laughs> I think the thing that first comes to mind is don't sweat the small stuff. And, and I'm not going to say the next thing, which usually follows that, which is it's all small stuff because it's not. Obviously, there are some big things that matter and, you know, you have to be discerning about that. But just relax, enjoy the ride because the years go by really fast, which you guys know that too. They say the days are long, but the years are short. Mm -hmm. You know, your kids are a gift, and, and the time with them is a gift. And so just enjoy the ride. Did you have to parent your children differently? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of common traits, of course, but there were differences in how we raised them. Did you know that this would be it for you to be a dad and to love that role? I mean, did you know you wanted a bunch of kids and did you see and that for yourself not really we grow into that mm -hmm. like most of us you know we grow into our lives as as we go but when my kids were young i would pray over them and say god whatever you want to do with my kids i just gave them over to the lord said you know I give up whatever dreams i have for my kids just whatever you want to do with them and he's taken me pretty seriously. <laughs> so my kids, you know, they travel a lot. They're not close to home like we'd like to see them necessarily. But they're fulfilling their destiny and doing what God's called them to do. And that is the important thing. I love how, you know, you're, you're an electrical engineer. You've had a career your whole life. And the thing that lights you up is being a good dad. And I think... That's so true that the world needs dads. Yeah. And there's not enough good dads. And so I think that is one way that you're letting your light shine is just loving your kids and spending time with them and being devoted to your family. Yeah. And um, we want the kids to know that we value the choices that they make in their ministry and in their careers. And uh, one of the ways we do that is we put up a big world map on the wall in our hallway. We put pins, push pins, in all the places that the kids have gone in their travels, whether professional or ministry. So we get to see how the influence of our family has touched different parts of the world. Tell and us where some of those pins are. Well, let's see. Zach and Katie spent some time in um, Great Britain ministering throughout the Eurasian region. So they have some pins in Kyrgyzstan, Romania, South Africa, and Ghana. 
And uh, Kristen's also went on a medical mission in Ghana. Jonathan and Elisa have spent a lot of time in the Pacific region. And they really feel called to minister in that area. So, you know, they, they're based in Hawaii, but gone to Fiji, New Zealand, the Philippines, also to Nepal. Elisa talked about that. That was like, I think their favorite trip was to Nepal because there are so many people that just have not heard the gospel in that nation. So Josh made a trip in his college days to Malaysia on a short-term missions trip. We've spent some time in Mexico. I've traveled for business to various places, but ministry is, is what is most important. And so we focus on that. I was looking for a Bible verse to put over that map. And uh, I was reading Isaiah one day, and there was a verse that just popped out at me. And uh, I'd like to, wanted to share that. It is Isaiah 61, 9. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I was just like, yep. I claimed that one for, yep. <laughs> for us, you know, for, for our family. And uh, I'm just really thankful that God has allowed us as a family to reach out to the nations. Really proud of my kids that all of them that have taken that seriously. Did you go on a lot of mission trips? What gave them a hunger for missions? Our church is a missions church, and they were raised being encouraged to go on mission trips. And I think that's really where it came from. My first short-term mission trip was from this church. And so I'm really thankful. Was that with Saltillo, we Mexico? Saltillo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Josh, Josh went with us down there. That was his first trip. He went to and New Mexico, was, too, with Mark. Yeah. He was, oh, he was like 11 years old at the time. I kind of totally forgot about that. Yeah. That was it fun. It was fun. Yeah. Dave Osborne's really fun on a missions trip. <laughs> Listen, why was, was I in high school? I was totally in high school. I think so. But I remember having a good time when yeah. you were around. That's so funny. I haven't thought about that for a long time. <laughs> yes. Just really thankful for a church with that drive and that legacy. Our last mission trip, our church went on was January 2020. They got home right before COVID hit the world. And mm. so, so what's the next trip that's planned? Are you leading it, Dave? I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah. now, there's, a, uh, there's another verse that really defines my philosophy as a dad. And it's Psalm 127, mm. 3 through 5. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. I've claimed that as my own too. <laughs> I heard someone speak about this one time and he was talking about this verse and he said, think about what an arrow, a bow and an arrow are. It's a projection of a warrior's strength. The arrow goes further than he can. That's how we really viewed raising our children is we want them to go further than we can or we have as parents. And not only that, but when a warrior, you know, shoots an arrow, it's like launching the arrow and we don't just send our kids out. We like to think that we launch them to wherever they're going and that they have a huge impact where they land. It's a great analogy. <laughs> Have you had conversations about this with your kids when they were growing up at home? Was this something that was discussed? 
We, you I would say that we've probably had this uh, more recently, okay. this conversation more recently. Yeah. When they got older. But they've really taken it to heart, too. In fact, Josh and Megan have arrow tattoos. Yeah. And that's where that came from for their children. Yes. How else are you letting your light shine in your world right now? I just really have to go back to my role as a dad and pa. You know, that's, that is the most important work I'm doing. And what I do for work every day, although I spend many hours a day there, it's, it's not who I am. It's just what I do. And who I am is dad and pa. <laughs> so tell us how it's different, if it's different, because we don't know this yet, but your pa role compared to dad. Obviously, there there are differences. I don't see my grandkids as much as my children. But, you know, I just like to have fun. I just be goofy and crazy and tell dumb dad jokes. And <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to do with my grandkids, too. I want it to be fun when they come to our house. But also, I want to see them grow into mature adults as well, obviously. Same mission as with my kids, but just a different role. I always think it's exciting when, you know, you have generations of, so you're, you're at least four generations of serving the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, does it go back further than that? Well, we were Quakers for generations back. And so, yeah, there was a, there's a heritage. There's a heritage there. And to see each generation of families that have served the lower generation after generation, that there's like an acceleration on that Mm -hmm. for for your grandkids from the work that you sowed into your children and that they're sowing into them. Yeah. Like I said earlier, in this world where things are going kind of crazy, it's like the importance of raising a generation that knows who they are and knows what they've been called to do is vitally important. You have invested a lot of time with them, Mm -hmm. traveling, as families to tournaments and games and mm-hmm. practices. And yeah. And those are great family times. Some people might disagree with that, but you know, that's our experience mm-hmm. and we love it. It's been really important for us as a family. I think. Is Michaela playing in college? Yes. So you still have four more years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, what are you going to do next <laughs> when you don't have any oh, have a gap in sports? Yeah. It's uh, we're looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> And she's uh, she's going to school relatively close, so we'll be able to go and watch her play a lot, we're hoping. Can I go back to the I find myself in my family and my job is just what I do? Can you tell me, I feel like that's a lot of times becomes the reversal of that, where they are their job, they mm-hmm. are their work, and sometimes family and kids can fall by the wayside. How did you make a conscious decision that was going to be this and not that? Or or are you just a personality that you didn't really have to? No, I think that's a process. And it's not an easy one because guys, generally speaking, guys are wired to be career minded. I'm like, this is important. This is how I support my family. and, And that is true. Finding a balance between work and home is a constant struggle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's, uh, depends on your situation too. You know, I, I can only speak for my situation and I will not presume to judge anybody else's situation where they find themselves, but supporting my family is important, but raising my family is most important. 
you know, I'll do what I have to to support my family. But if it is a choice between my job or my family, my family wins. There's also an element of my work as my mission. There are a lot of needy people out there in the workplace. And so I don't mean to say that there's no meaning at work because what I do is productive and that's important for all of us to do something that's productive at work where we spend most of our waking hours. But it's important too to uh, really have an influence on people around us, the people that we work with. All of that has to kind of get thrown into the pot and get mashed up and <laughs> and balanced out somehow. And it's not easy. I don't pretend that it is. But it's become easier to make that distinction, I think, as I've gotten older. Partly because, you know, the family's grown up and moved on and, you know, the demands at home are less demanding. <laughs> so it's easier to say, well... Home is more important and work doesn't matter so much. But when I was younger, it was probably a lot more difficult, I would say, to balance work and home. I have an amazing wife who supported me in that. Amazing kids who understood, you know, when things got tough and, and it all worked out. Ready for our last one? Oh, yeah, sure. Is there anything that you've prepared for us that uh, yes. contains <laughs> random information? <laughs> oh, yeah, I prepared for this. Oh, yay. Yeah, I did. I like and, your kind. Um, <laughs> I know what I'm going to say. I'm in full full dad mode here, okay? There are two things that I think I've told to all my kids. These are life lessons from dad, okay? And I'd like to share them here. Please. So one is trust in any relationship is earned over a long period of time, and it's lost in an instant Protect the trust in all of your relationships. Like it's the most valuable, one of the most valuable things. Once trust is lost, you might never be able to rebuild it. Trust is most valuable thing in a relationship. And the other thing, this is a, uh, a quote from D. Hawk, who's the founder of uh, Visa International. And I came across it and it just like resonated with me. I was like, I got to teach this to my kids. So I've shared it with all of them. But here's the quote. You can learn nothing from your success except to think too much of yourself. It is from failure that all growth comes, provided you can recognize it, admit it, learn from it, rise above it, and then try again. We all try not to fail. It's like what we all strive to do all day, every day, at home and at work. But when we fail, we learn most valuable lessons, sometimes most painful too. But that's why we learn them so well. <laughs> I have some random information about Dave. Well, not you specifically, but I'm looking back at our mission trip, and I don't remember a whole lot, but I do remember that the house we were staying in had scorpions. They also had baby scorpions. And I remember the there were like house parents, house people, uh -huh. and they were saying, the scorpions are not fun. They'll get you. But stay away from the baby scorpions because that's what will do you in. Hmm. <laughs> that has nothing to do with you really, but we were all staying in that house. Yeah. Well, here's another random piece of information okay. about scorpions. Oh, that I found out recently, if you shine an ultraviolet light on a scorpion, it glows like 
yellow white. And I've got a picture to prove it. That sounds creepy. Well, it is kind of, but it's also pretty cool. We were in, uh, I was on a business trip to Arizona recently, and we were at some people's house, and they said, come on out in the backyard, I want to show you something. And they they do this for entertainment. Of course. Their Who house doesn't? parties. Who doesn't? Who doesn't have an ultraviolet <laughs> They've light got a scorpions? Whole, you know, drawer full of ultraviolet flashlights. <laughs> So we all took an ultraviolet flashlight out in the backyard. And when you shine the ultraviolet light on a scorpion, that's That's what it looks like. Shine the light across it and they go, they pop right out. Like, whoa, they're a scorpion. Who would have thunk? (laughs) Learn something new every day. I said something so you could say something then. Because now we know about scorpions. Have an ultraviolet light with you when you are in the desert. Okay. Read us some, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. What do sprinters eat before a race? I don't know. What do sprinters eat? Nothing. They fast. Oh, my gosh. Stop (laughs) it. Am I supposed to read some more? Uh, I wish people could see us eye roll. Because that's the reaction you're really supposed to get. Imagine if you walked into a bar and there was a long line of people waiting to take a swing at you. That's the punchline. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Listen, that one's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Why is it a bad idea to iron your four-leaf clover? Because you shouldn't press your luck. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. Which can I'll first. let you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't take my dog to the pond anymore because the ducks keep attacking him. That's what I get for buying a purebred dog. Oh, my. <laughs> Michaela's never going to talk to you again. I, I'm warming to this. You want me to keep going? <laughs> you created a monster. I'm starting to feel this. Uh, one more. My wife said I was immature, so I told her to get out of my fort. Well, Dave, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. And you are letting your light shine. You have launched great children out into this world, you and Becky. And we really appreciate the example that you set for other men and that... It's so great to see men who have such a passion for their family and their kids and their marriage. And so we thank you for coming on. Maybe we'll get over the dad jokes. I don't know, but (laughs) it is with me. Make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.